You know, Hans, one of the things that I tell people is that, that I'm in the business where I kind of advise and counsel people and coach, and it comes naturally, and people say, well, I could never do that because I don't have that kind of experience, and that's not what my career path has been. And I said, you know, if you're willing to sit with anybody younger than you, anybody that is on that path just one week behind you, you're one week ahead, but it might be it might be decades behind you, if you're willing just to share nothing more than your mistakes, you can make a career out of that. Now, I don't know about everybody listening, but I know about you and I, Hans, and I know we made a ton of mistakes. And if we can just share, this is what I did, it didn't work, don't go down that path, uh, we could help a lot of people. Now, I'm sure you have a lot more to share than just your mistakes, but that's a starting point, and we all have those. This is Hans Finzel. Welcome to the Leadership Answer Man. This is a show for leaders about taking your leadership skills to the next level. Whether you are a seasoned leader or just starting out, I promise to give you practical leadership tips that you can use this week. No matter what your leadership situation is, I can help. Remember, leaders make things happen. My passion is to help you lead more effectively. Welcome to this podcast. Today we're talking about launching your encore, finding adventure and purpose later in life. This is the second in a three-part series on a new book that I have co-written with my friend Rick Hicks, and Rick is here with me today for this podcast. Welcome, Rick. Good to be with you, Hans. Uh, we are talking today about the challenge especially for boomers, more life after our careers. This is a book we've written for anyone over 50, boomers especially, and children of boomers who want to understand what their parents are facing now. Uh, Rick, in the last um, podcast, and I'm not sure our listeners all heard that, and it doesn't matter, these are all standalone podcasts, but you started talking about life stage development. You studied under Peter Drucker, got your Ph.D. at Claremont under him in this area of life stage development and the fact that we are actually facing a new life stage. What's that all about? Well, you know, life is made up of a series of stages, and different things happen at different stages. I'll go into that in just a minute. Um, but the interesting thing here is that uh, we who are moving beyond our 60s are going into what appears to be a whole new life stage of development. Um, and as I've told people about this, they go, well, can you just make up new stages? I mean, do you say, hey, oh, there's a new stage and let's just do that. And um, it's not that you make them up, but life stage development actually reflects society. And probably a, a good way to illustrate that is back in um, the early 1900s, 1904, uh, there was a psychologist and his name was G. Stanley Hall. And he's looking at society. And in society, he said, you know, it used to be that the stages of life would be childhood and then kind of after you're a child, then you're kind of you become an adult and then you become old age. And then he said, you know, it seems like in this emerging younger society uh, that there, there seems to be a group of people that they're neither children nor they're adults. And he actually coined the phrase adolescence. And this was back in 1904. Well, G. Stanley Hall realized because of uh, the work, school, economic situation that you didn't go straight from childhood to adulthood. So our society kind of created um, this new group called adolescence. Well, now we all know that that's kind of the in-between stage 
uh, between childhood and adulthood. Now, we jump forward. It used to be that then you would get into, and we'll talk about the various stages again in a moment, but you get into your uh, adult stage of development, and then it's kind of old age. And what we're seeing now is that there is a lot of time after we continue or after we finish what would be our kind of our productive giving to society stage of life. We might call that work. Uh, People traditionally have called it retirement. When you stop doing what you're doing, then you don't just sit around because now we found out that uh, people, as I said in our other podcast, people used to retire at 65 and die at 68. Well, people aren't dying at 68 or 78 and sometimes not even at 88. So we now have this 20 to 30 plus year period of time after um, retirement. And so what is this? And so it's a new stage. And with each stage, there are these developmental tasks that need to take place. Well, Hans, in our book, we talk about the tasks that need to happen in those stages. So um, if you want, I can talk a little bit more about life stage development, or did you have another uh, question? Yeah, let's first? hold on to that for just a minute. Uh, one term that we throw out in the book, uh, do you want to mention that big scary word that we discovered in our research? The elder lessons? Yes, elder well, lessons. Well, that's kind of the name of that some are giving to this new developmental stage, elder lessons. Yeah, it took me about six months to learn how to pronounce that word, elder lessons. And it doesn't really matter. But I was thinking about the fact that when you're an adolescent, uh, one of the things you have to do, you generally learn how to drive a car, right? And that's a great illustration of a new life skill. And one of the things that we're learning is in, in this new elder lesson stage of life, or whatever you want to call it, uh, post-career in your 60s, 70s, and 80s, there are new life skills we have to learn. Uh, one thing you and I came up with is the idea of the 60-80 window. Uh, between 60 and 80, we just have a ton of life left, and we don't really believe in traditional retirement, do we? Now, we're not big fans of retirement. Again, we were going to originally call this book Retirement is a Four-Letter Word, but those uh, around us didn't think that would be the best way to represent. But we're just saying retirement gives the connotation that you've done something significant, and now you just kind of drop off the face of the earth, and you sit around and just watch TV and eat bonbons or whatever you do. Yeah, you're totally marginalized. Yeah. And we don't want to be marginalized, do we? No. Uh, You and I were working on this book, and we were at one of my favorite restaurants here in Colorado, Cafe Mon Ami. And I know Scott, the owner, and uh, Scott came up to us, and he said, uh, so what are you guys working on today? And we had our laptops and tablets out, and and we told him we are writing a book about uh, the changing way that boomers face retirement. Here's what he said. Oh, I have that all figured out. When I finally sell this place, all I want is a beach and a beer, (laughs) a beach and a beer. And, Rick, you said to him, well, that might be great for a week or a month, but it won't last. And then Scott, who's also an aging boomer, offered some deep insight into his psyche. Here's what he said. You know, our parents' idea of life was totally off the mark. You grow up, you get an education, you work your whole life for a company, you retire, and then you totally, and then you die. He said, that is totally debunked today. And we said, thanks, Scott. That's exactly the point of our book. It's time not to retire and die. It's time to launch your encore. 
Okay, I want to set up for you this uh, first chapter of the book is called People Get Ready. And it's really about this whole new life stage development thing. So tell us about the time that we need to get ready now for this new stage. Well, you know, the, the title of the chapter is People Get Ready. And we've actually been getting ready for this stage of life all our lives. And, uh, you know, most of us, uh, if, if we went to college uh, or sometimes even in high school, they teach about what takes place um, in life stage development. And many people would be familiar with uh, Eric Erickson. He, you know, he came along with uh, all these different stages uh, that happen up till, you know, probably up to around age 50. He didn't go much past that. But, you know, as young children, um, we first, the first thing we need to do, the first stage of life is we need to learn trust. And then the next stage is autonomy uh, and then initiative. And in every three or four years, we would go into these new stages, and there are things that we need to learn. And as we learn those, we move on to the next stage. And, and when we have problems in our life, sometimes it's because we didn't actually learn the things we should have learned at certain ages. Well, as we become adults, you know, Erickson was great, and he really was the founder of a lot of this type of thinking, but he really only took it up into kind of adulthood. And then um, then when he was kind of finished with that, then later on, uh, a guy by the name of Daniel Levinson wrote a book called Seasons of a Man's Life. Now, this is only focusing on men, and, and I would add 20 years after this, he then wrote a book called Seasons of a Woman's Life that added everybody in at that point. Um, but he looks at life stage development, and in his life stage development, he basically is just saying, again, there's a, a period of uh, we transition into the next stage of our life, and then we kind of stabilize, and then we have some tasks to do. You know, when we're young adults, uh, some of the developmental tasks are things like uh, finding um, the lifestyle that we want. It's looking at our alternatives. It's finding where we fit in society, things like that. And then, and then you go into a transition period. Then you go into the entering the young adult world, and that's having children. That's building homes. That's uh, stuff like that. That continues on. And if you're interested in these kinds of things, great book to read. Um, also, Gail Sheehy came along and actually wrote a book that describes it even more. It's called New Passages. I recommend that book. Well, um, it, it, when you look at that, that takes us right up into adulthood. And at the very end of Levinson, at the very end of Erickson, they have this stuff. They just kind of call it aged or old age. And they never really get into this new thing that we're talking about, Hans. And it's what happens when we stop being the productive part of society. That takes us to that stage. Yeah, it's really interesting because on page 26 of our book, uh, you have that Daniel Levinson's chart. And it ends at age 65, late adult transition. And then a little parenthesis, late adulthood. Yeah. It, it, it kind of fell off the cliff and people didn't just used to live that long. I just recently took out a new term life insurance policy for 15 years. And the guy that sold it to me said, you know what, you're not going to cash in on this policy because you're going to live another 20 years at least. And so that's really what you're talking about, this new life stage development. Yeah. Now now you have an interesting diagram uh, that you we put in our book called a tribal view of life development. I think this is cool. Tell us about that. Well, you know, talking about Erickson, talking about Levinson, if you're a guy like me and you study it in school, it all makes sense. And uh, 
you can add it up together. But a lot of people say, you know, that's not where my head is. And so um, uh, I was in a course once, and they just said, let's simplify this whole thing. If you were just to go to some typical African village, how do they look at the lifespan? And uh, one of my professors put, put this up on a chalkboard, and it just struck me. That's really the way life is. And in the first stage, if we're going to look at a, a tribal uh, view of this, and I'll give you an example in a minute of I actually went to a tribe in Africa and asked them about this, and, and they confirmed it. But uh, the first stage, uh, developmental stage, is childhood, and that is we're under the protection of our parents. We're growing up. We're learning the rights and wrongs of society. Yeah, that, no big conflict there. Second stage of life, uh, and really there's only four uh, stages, is uh, apprenticeship. And that is you learn where you fit in society. What do you do? And uh, are you going to be a herdsman? Are you going to uh, till the garden? Are you going to work with leather? Uh, in a tribal situation, we could apply that to our own societies. Are we going to technical college? Are we going to college? Are we an artisan? So you learn in your early stages of life. After apprenticeship comes the third stage of life, the third of four, and that's just the journeyman. Once you kind of learn your trade, you go out there and do it. You just you live your life. That's the, the third and the longest stage of our life. And from the journeyman stage, um, you kind of grow into the leadership part of that if you, in fact, aspire to be a leader and step up to that. And then my favorite stage, that's what we're talking about here. In a tribal, they call the fourth stage just elder. And that is, you know what? You're not doing the leather. You're not tilling the ground. You're not doing the... You are basically giving advice. You are, you've made the mistakes. You've lived the life. You know the goods and the bads. And you don't have the physical energy that you had before. Uh, you're not going out to fight the wars. All those things you're advising. You are known at that point for your wisdom. And I think that's an important thing. Well, Hans, uh, you know, you and I have talked about these four uh, areas, and we believe these to be generally true. Well, I was actually on a trip to Africa. I flew like 17 hours to South Africa, another three, mi three hours up to Zambia, 15-hour van ride to this lake, uh, Tanganyika, a three-hour boat ride to a village. I, if I wasn't in the middle of nowhere, you can see it from there. I mean, this is remote. And I go to this village. And I was the old-looking dude, and the, the head man, um, that's what they call the, the chief there, he said he wants to talk to the old guy. So he calls me over, and he wanted some advice, and I wanted advice from him. And so two of the elders getting together. It was really, it was, a, it was just a great developmental moment for me. But I knew I was going to be meeting with this guy. I actually brought the graph that we have here in our chart, in our, the, the graph that we have in our book. And I had my interpreter say to this guy, hey, is this the way people grow up in your village? And he looks at this, and it was all explained to him. And he, he looks at me, and he says, yeah, this is right, but you've missed one. There's one more stage in our village. And I said, what is that? And he said, it's just called old. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, this, as I've thought about this, this is important because a lot of people believe that you go from the journeyman leader to old. You don't actually go through the elder stage. Our book is about the elder stage, and it's that it's your encore. It's you are saying, what do I have to contribute before I get too old where I can't actually do anything? And in his village, old just meant you sat, you ate, 
they fed you and you die when you die. And that's what people think of our age. Don't, we get some conflict on that, don't we, Hans? We do a lot. And that's why uh, we are redefining retirement because it's not what it used to be. We're not, we're living so much longer and there's a huge opportunity. I was just, I had the chance uh, just a few weeks ago to speak to over a thousand uh, young people, college kids from age 18 to 22. And I'm a guy in my sixties. I've got gray hair and not much of it. And I thought to myself, when I went to that gig, speaking to these kids for, I call them kids uh, for three days, are they going to want to listen to me? You know, or are we totally irrelevant to their generation? Well, they were eating out of the palm of my hands. They were hanging on my advice. They wanted to talk to me afterwards. And I went away realizing the young generations do want to learn from us. They do want to listen to us. And we do have a role to play, a a time to give back, to to share our wisdom. Some of you listening, if you're of, of our age, you might be thinking, man, I never would have thought of myself as an elder That's a crazy label. And we're not talking about an elder in a church here. We're talking about an elder in society. An elder statesman, in a sense. That's just stating your view. And you would be surprised how much you have to share with people about what you know. No, Hans, one of the things that I tell people is that, that I'm in the business where I kind of advise and counsel people and coach, and it comes naturally, and people say, well, I could never do that because I don't have that kind of experience, and that's not what my career path has been. And I said, you know, if you're willing to sit with anybody younger than you, anybody that is on that path just one week behind you, you're one week ahead, but it might be, it might be decades behind you. If you're willing just to share nothing more than your mistakes, you can make a career out of that. Now, I don't know about everybody listening, but I know about you and I, Hans, and I know we made a ton of mistakes. <laughs> a ton of mistakes. <laughs> and if we can just share, this is what I did, it didn't work, don't go down that path, uh, we could help a lot of people. Now, I'm sure you have a lot more to share than just your mistakes, but that's a starting point, and we all have those. Yeah, our our real message is that you have a lot that you can do that's, uh, you know, finding meaning and purpose and adventure later in life after your career is over. Chapter two, we're not going to go through all the chapters uh, of the book. We're just trying to whet our appetite. And again, this is Hans Fenzel, and I'm talking today with my co-author, Rick Hicks. The book is coming out in uh, the first uh part of 2015. I don't know when you'll be listening to this uh, podcast, but it is available right now in Kindle and in paperback. And also we have a website called launchyourencore.com where you can see more information. But uh, we did title one of our chapters, I Can't Get No Respect. That's, that was Rod, Rodney Dangerfield. That, that was he was famous. I get no respect. I can't get no respect. Well, some of us feel when we get into the graying years that we're no longer respected by society, and there's even tension between generations. Every time I mention the word Social Security to our young adult children, you know they kind of get hot and their temperatures rise, and they say, "I'm so angry at the government." 
you have it made, Dad. It'll be there for you. And I will be paying for you and all your boomer buddies the rest of our lives. But there will be nothing left for us when we get old. (laughs) Uh, You know, there is that tension. And some people out there blame the boomers for all the things wrong with American society. I kind of think that's unfair, but... Do you ever hear that? I hear it a lot. And there may be some element of truth there, so we have to deal with some reality, but I think it's overstated. But we believe, you and I both believe in the younger generations, and we, uh, when it comes to a church, I always say that the most healthy church is a church that has people of all ages living together. But in our Western society, sometimes we segment people, don't we? Uh, more than in other cultures. You and I have both had the opportunity to, to travel the world for our whole careers. And, and I ask people the question, well, uh, let me ask you, Rick, in, in Asia and Africa, where do they put the old people? You know, if, if you're in almost any non-Western society, the older you are, the more respect you have. And uh, so you're honored if you make it to the age where you have gray hair, if you make it to the age that you actually can't even work, but you're sitting there giving advice and you're kind of, sometimes it's advice, but sometimes it's just literally moral support for the generations following you. And it's a great deal of respect. And we see it different in the Western culture. Uh, They live with their parents and they live with their children. And in China and Africa, I spent a lot of time in China. And, you know, as, as as the kids get married, they add rooms to the house for the married kids to live. And the older, the elderly live with the family. The only place in the world there seem to be senior uh, living and retirement homes. This is in the Western world. Isn't that we, interesting? We, we fill them up. We fill them up. Well, our point is we may need to change where we're living, and there's nothing wrong with living in a, a plus 55 uh, housing complex, but we we do struggle with respect. Recently, uh, Jay Leno was forced to retire from The Tonight Show. In fact, we've witnessed in the last year a complete changing of the guard in all the, the late-night shows. And I thought it was kind of interesting when Jimmy Fallon took over for uh, Jay Leno, and he's he's having great success. And I remember Jay Leno wanted to do one network interview about his departure. So he called in his friend Steve Croft from 60 Minutes and interviewed him. Uh, In the interview, it was pretty interesting how Jay Leno said he did not want to retire. There was no way he wanted to leave The Tonight Show. He loved The Tonight Show. The, The funny thing was his ratings were better than ever. He was king of late night. But the network said, you know what? You're 65, it's time for you to go. And how many people get forced out when they don't want to go and they're actually at the top of their game? I respect Jay Leno because Steve Croft said, well, aren't you going to fight this? Aren't you all upset? Aren't you going to do something about it? Aren't you going to start a new show? And and Jay Leno said, you know what? I've had my run. I'm going to accept it, and I'm going to find the next thing I'm going to do. And I just thought, now there's a great attitude. And a lot of people, Rick, are forced out at 65. And our point is, okay, what are you going to do next? Now, I wish I had the millions of dollars and all the cars that Jay Leno has. And we, most of us, don't have that opportunity. But even a guy like Jay Leno is having to launch his encore at this stage of his life. Yeah, the interesting thing about Jay is that he ended up with a different kind of a TV show, but 
he knew he wouldn't have what he had before, and he actually made a transition from the Jay Leno we know to the new Jay Leno and, and his new role. And he actually made that transition, and he accepted it, and it's going well for him. Yeah, another show that I like is Jerry Seinfeld, another guy who reinvented himself. Uh, comedians in cars drinking coffee. Yeah. You ever seen that? Yep. <laughs> On Crackle? Oh, my gosh, what a great <laughs> show. <laughs> Okay, let's shift over to chapter uh, the chapter on transition. This word transition is huge. Transition is unavoidable. It's a time of life that will be filled with necessary endings, transition, and new beginnings. Talk us talk to us about this. Well, you know, we started off this um, segment here talking about life stages, and you actually make a transition from one stage to another. Uh, now that we're talking specifically about this elder stage, uh, we need to look at how are we going to transition from how we see ourselves now and what we are doing to what our new person can be reinventing ourselves. You need to make that transition. Um, and if you're, we make transitions in work, in life, uh, we have health transitions, we're always in a state of transition. And it's interesting that kind of in the Western culture, like most things, we just want to cut to the chase scene. We don't really want to process it. We don't really want to go through the steps. We just want to say, oh, if this is over, what's next? And that's not a transition. That's just a move. remember a book that came out a couple of years ago called The Land Between, and that's a, the point of the book, is that there is a land between point A and point B. But I agree with you, a lot of us don't want to deal with that transition piece, but we need to. We need to, and um, if, you're, if you're interested in this, uh, just the book on the topic is by William Bridges um, called Transition, Making sense out of life's changes. I just think it's great that a guy with the name Bridges writes a book on transitions. I just think that's true. That's just pretty cool. Like you know, I just here's a freebie. You know, the doctor that delivered me was Doctor Stork. There's another great name for your profession. Now, we're not going to go off on names and professions. Now, he had to go into that line of work, didn't he? <laughs> there was no choice. Uh, but anyway, let's. Hey, hey, what do you say we talk about transitions, though? Yeah. What is this so, deal? And, you know, Bridges, he gives us this model of transition, and I think it's, it's, uh, it's common sense, but sometimes I just find that uh, common sense isn't so common. So we don't always want to follow it. But Bridges would tell us that um, if basically what we do is we have to, we have to start with the ending. If you're going to make a transition, you actually have to acknowledge something has ended. Jay Leno has to say, the Tonight Show is over before he can go do his other comedy interview show. And if you don't acknowledge the ending, um, you've short-circuited the process. So as we're dealing with transitions, whether it's the loss of a loved one, if it's moving to a new house, it could be a bigger house, it could be a smaller house. Uh, if it could be... Um, a change in income. It, it definitely income, health, anything. We just go through these uh, transitions all the time. We have to acknowledge it's not what it was. And so a transition starts with the end. And then there's this neutral zone. That's the second phase that Bridges talks about. Um, and it's kind of a moratorium 
on productivity, which of course is kind of a dirty word in our society. It's like, no, we always have to be doing something. But sometimes there is a sense of loss in these transitions, and we really need to come to grips with these losses. And we need to take this neutral zone and we need to process it. We need to think about it. We need to say, yes, this person will not be in my life anymore. Uh, this won't be the way it was. I won't live by the beach anymore or whatever you're transitioning from. And you just have to come to grips with it and accept it. Once you acknowledge there's an ending, you go through this neutral zone, then you're actually freed up to go to the new beginning. And to put the beginning anywhere else, short circuits the process. And Hans, you're kind of a driven, focused guy. So am I, you know, I finish something, boom, put it in a box. It's done. Let's go to the next thing. And that's the way I live my life. And I actually, uh, when I left a job, I used to work at Biola University. I left in a very abrupt way. I intentionally decided kind of not to say goodbye to everybody. And I just kind of said, I'm just going to be nearby. This is not goodbye. I left. And then I learned, I read Bridges' book, and I learned about this whole process, and I realized I need to go back to those people at Biola, and I need to actually process this thing. And I realized that there was all this emotion inside of me, and when I actually went back to the lady that I first worked with and just said, hey, I never really said goodbye. I need to end this. And she said to me, like she knew it all along, it's like, oh, we were wondering if you'd ever come back and say goodbye she kind of started crying, and I actually kind of started crying, and it's like, oh, man. And I realized I've got all this stuff processed in me that, that's in me that I didn't process. I never dealt with it. Well, now that was, I don't know, 25 years ago. Now I'm a smarter guy. I've read the book. I teach this stuff. Well, I'm just leaving a job. Uh, it literally was a year ago uh, at OM, and... I'm standing up in front of everybody, kind of giving my goodbye speech. And someone. Because you're moving from Atlanta. I'm moving from Atlanta to California. To California. I'm stepping down from one job to have another job. And in doing all that, I find myself telling people, well, I'm not really leaving. I'll be back every five or six weeks. Because you were staying in the organization. Yeah, in the organization. Just relocating. Yeah. And so I, I kept making the. And then it just struck me this is exactly the same stupid thing that i did 25 years ago and i even teach on this stuff i literally stopped in the middle of my kind of goodbye message and said you know what i don't think i'm actually acknowledging that i'm leaving i need and it's actually got a little emotional and that's what i was afraid of i didn't want to deal with my emotions so i kept it in so i'm saying in the middle of my message hey wait a minute no i really am leaving I really do need to say goodbye. I'll come back and visit you all. I'll be around. But things are changing. Things are changing. This is not my real world now. My real world's going to be in California. So I know this stuff, and I actually neglected to act on it. And so, again, as we talk about in our book, we want you all to become intentional in your transitions, intentional in what you're going to do in this next developmental stage. Think about it. Plan it as much as you can. A lot of it can't be planned, but there are things we can talk about and be ready. But the idea of being intentional in transition is important to us. Hey, do you think a lot of people have a hard time saying goodbye and have a hard time with endings? I think so. Absolutely. You just reminded me of a good friend of ours. We were in a dinner club together. He's in his mid-70s, 
And, you know, we would, they were friends. They're not like intimate friends, but good friends. And all of a sudden I learned he'd moved to South Carolina. (laughs) And it's like a month later, he finally contacted me and he sent everybody his new address. He'd moved from here to Colorado, South Carolina, did not tell anybody. He sold his house and he left. And I said to him, John, I said, you didn't even give us a chance to say goodbye. You just left town. And I, and I, it just put this together for me. I think he had a hard time with the transition, with admitting what was going on in his life at this stage and not wanting to say goodbye. And, you know, if we don't say goodbye, we, leave, we kind of give this sense of abandonment to those people if we don't bring closure. That's the way I felt. And, I felt like my friend just... Slapped you in the face. Walked out on me. But, yeah. I, but I realized it was because of something he was going through in his life at this stage. Well, we're almost out of time here, Rick, but I want to just touch on the dark side. <laughs> because well, let's the, close with something yeah, happy. Let's start, close with something really exciting. The Beware of going to the dark side or the dark place. And I love this concept that I learned from you. And our book is a very positive book of new options and new beginnings and encore. But there is a danger that we warn people about. You know, you can go to the dark side. There comes this kind of path when we get to this elder state of life, this elder lessons, as we talked about. And, you know, there's a choice you have. And actually, uh, we got this thought from Henry Nowen in his book on aging. And he said, you know, when you come to the end of your life, you can go to the dark place or you can actually go to the light. And basically, he's talking about, you know, if you just say, oh, I'm old, everybody owes me something, I'm the matriarch or the patriarch of the family, I've given, 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 now I'm old, I'm, maybe I'm a little sick, and and you feel entitled, and then you withdraw, and you just kind of become this hermit-type person, that's really allowing yourself to go to the dark side. Excuse me, if you've ever seen Sopranos, Tony Soprano's mother <laughs> is the epitome of the dark place. Go ahead. Now, but we have a choice, and our book is positive and filled with good choices, and, or you can choose to go to the light, even as we're older. Even as we maybe lose resources, some energy, things like that, we still can be contributors, and we can go to the light. And that's the concept that Henry Nowen presents. And we're encouraging you as you read this book, as you think through your future, be a contributor. Go to the light. Don't be entitled and demand things from people and actually have those around you actually resent you. We all know older people that get grumpy and demand things, and it's their world, and it's hard to love them. Now, many of them are our loved ones, and we work on it, but it's hard to love them. I talk about in this chapter one of my good friends, Janelle, who's getting close to 100 years of age. She's outlasted all of her family, her husbands, her, her, her friends, and she's so positive. And that's why I love to be around her. She's in her late 90s. And I asked her when I was writing the book, I said, would you tell me your secret to being so positive? And she said, well, I had a very positive mother and a very negative father. And I decided I was going to be positive. And, you know, and if I weren't positive, I probably wouldn't be alive anymore. And she said, one thing I do is I stay around. I keep young friends who are positive. Here we go. We, we don't want you all to end up in the bathrobe phase of life where you're just. A lot of cats. <laughs> laying around with your cats in your bathrobe watching TV and, <laughs> and just being in a <laughs> sad place. Go to the light. Go to the light. Yeah. Well, thanks, Rick. This has been great. 
Uh, we've had a lot of fun writing this book. Haven't we, we have. Yeah. So, again, uh, go to our website, launchyourencore.com, for more resources. If you want to book us to speak at your uh, group, your over 50 group, check Grocery out. Grocery the- store opening, bar mitzvahs, <laughs> we do it all. Yeah. <laughs> and check out the book on Kindle or paper, uh, paperback. And, again, it's Launch Your Encore, Finding Adventure and Purpose Later in Life. Thanks, Rick. Goodbye. This has been Hans Finzel. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Answer Man. Remember that leaders make great things happen. We can always take our leadership to the next level. What are your leadership questions that I can answer for you on a future podcast? Please write me at hansfinzel.com and check out my leadership resources and sign up for my free email updates. I hope you keep listening and learning and that you go out there this week and make a difference with your leadership. 